Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made the West different from the rest. Today is November 5th, and in the Anglosphere, you may have been mystified by the strange expression, Remember, Remember the 5th of November. In this episode, we'll look into what explosive event happened on this day 418 years ago that elicited this old rhyme. It was Guy Fox Night, the day of the gunpowder treason plot, the day when King James I and the entire government of England were almost blown to smithereens. A day that changed the world forever, lighting the fuse on the events that would drive the pilgrims out of England, inspire John Milton and William Shakespeare, and in the modern era, be an ongoing light to anarchists, hackers, and comic book enthusiasts. To set the stage for the infamous plot that would occur on this night over four centuries ago, I should recount what was happening in England at the beginning of the 17th century, and why people even wanted to blow up King James and the Parliament. King James VI of Scotland inherited the throne of England in 1603 when his childless cousin Elizabeth passed away. In England, he was known as King James I, and it would be this King James who would publish the eponymous English Bible we know and love today. English historian Simon Jenkins summarizes James's years before taking the English throne very nicely. He says, quote, His upbringing was dreadful. His father had been killed, suffocated after an explosion failed to kill him. And this was probably done by his mother, who in turn had been killed by the English over whom he now ruled. As the boy king of Scotland, he had survived four regents dying violent deaths around him, not to mention an attempt on his life, a sadist for a tutor, and a witch's conspiracy against him. To the English, he was an outsider from an enemy state. On top of all this, the English Catholics and Protestants were not on great terms. According to the UK Parliament website, quote, In the 16th century, many people found themselves on the wrong side of the religious divide. Protestants in Catholic countries and Catholics in Protestant countries could be seen as heretics or allied to foreign powers. At first, it seemed James would be able to resolve their discontent. After all, his parents were Catholics, but he was a Protestant convert, an Episcopalian raised as a Calvinist, to be precise. The best of both worlds, right? Plus, his wife, Anne, refused to take the communion at the coronation. So, was she a secret Catholic? Because of these connections to Catholicism, the Catholics in England had hopes that James might allow them to worship freely again. A positive first step in this direction was finally brokering a peace with Catholic Spain, thus stifling the Spanish's efforts to try and put a Catholic back on the English throne. However, according to Jenkins, unlike his diplomacy with the Spanish, his ecclesiastical diplomacy was less successful. Where Elizabeth convinced both sides that she favored them, James left both dissatisfied. In their fear and desperation that they'd continue to be a persecuted minority, the Catholics resorted to plots and subterfuge. The first plot involved a secret agent giving Queen Anne a rosary from the Pope Clement VIII. This made King James furious, but he didn't do anything drastic. Now, the second plot was a bit more infuriating and a bit more dramatic. It was called the Byplot, and this was a conspiracy to kidnap James and force him to repeal all the anti-Catholic legislation that he had passed. In this plan, the secret Catholic nobles would remove the king and replace him with his cousin, Arabella Stuart, who was a Catholic. When King James caught wind of this plan, 
he lost all sympathy for the Catholics' plight, and he abandoned trying to help them and stand up for them. It was in this context that the gunpowder plot occurred. The UK Parliament website does a fantastic job describing how the gunpowder plot came about. Quote, Disappointed by the failure of James I to improve their position, a handful of young Catholic gentlemen from the Midlands, some of whom had been involved in previous plots, decided to take action. At their center was the charismatic Warwickshire gentleman Robert Catsby. In May 1604, he proposed a plan to blow up the king, together with the House of Lords and the House of Commons, during the ceremonial opening of Parliament. The family links of fellow plotter Thomas Percy to the powerful Earl of Northumberland, for whom he worked as steward, would help the conspirators gain access to Parliament. So essentially the plan was created by Robert Catsby. He wanted to use his friend Thomas Percy's connections to get in position to blow up the House of Lords on the day Parliament would open, when the king and all his counselors and the nobility would all be in attendance. With the leadership killed in one fell swoop, the conspirators would then use their connections with Catholic nobility in central England to kidnap Princess Elizabeth, James's daughter, and convert her to Catholicism and install her as a Catholic puppet queen. It was brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Genius, I say. Now, at this time, Westminster Palace, the home of the British Parliament, did not exist in its current form. A fire in 1834 destroyed the original medieval structures, requiring it to be rebuilt. And so, the Parliament structure of the 1600s was totally different. Originally, it had been a king's palace, and it was kind of just a jumble of medieval buildings that had been retrofitted to house the two bodies of Parliament, as well as three courts. One of the houses met in a chapel, the other, the House of Lords, met in a king's reception room. There were also various apartments and storerooms in the parliamentary complex that were available to rent for people who worked for Parliament. One of the plotters, as I mentioned, Thomas Percy, since he was a member of the king's bodyguard, he was able to lease lodgings that were situated adjacent to the House of Lords. It was while living at that house and making their plans that they were disappointed to discover an outbreak of plague that would delay the opening of Parliament a whole year, from the summer of 1604 to the fall of 1605. But it was during that year that they discovered an undercroft, or underground storage room, available to Thomas Percy for rent that was directly below the painted chamber, which was the reception room where the House of Lords met. This would make the explosion far more deadly and successful. One of the conspirators, Guy Fox, had been recruited by Catsby for his military and gunpowder experience, as well as for the fact that he had not been involved in previous plots. For even though Fox was a member of a prominent Yorkshire family and a longtime convert to Roman Catholicism, he had enlisted in the Spanish army and been fighting in the Netherlands for many years. The plotters therefore assigned Fox to be the trigger man, to blow up the House of Lords on the day Parliament would open, November 5th, 1605. Fox planted 36 barrels of gunpowder there and camouflaged them with coals and faggots. It was enough to level the building, and it seemed like the plan would go off without a hitch. Except they didn't account for one of the conspirators getting cold feet. You see, by blowing up Parliament, the conspirators wouldn't just be blowing up the Protestants who are oppressing them, they'd also blow up some devout Catholics who had hid their religion to continue to serve in the government. Some of these Catholics were friends and family of the conspirators. Not able to abide this, one of the conspirators cracked and sent a letter to Lord Mont Eagle. He wrote, quote, 
my lord, out of the love I bear to some of your friends. I have a care of your preservation. Therefore, I would advise as you tender your life to devise some excuse to shift your attendance at this parliament, for God and man have concurred to punish the wicked at this time. And think not slightly of this advertisement, but retire yourself into your country, where you may expect the event in safety, for though there be no appearance of any stir, yet I say they shall receive a terrible blow, this parliament, and yet they shall not see who hurts them. This council is not to be condemned, because it may do you good, and can do you no harm, for the danger is past as soon as you have burnt the letter, and I hope God will give you the grace to make good use of it. Holy protection, I commend you. Close quote. Using this as an opportunity to curry King James's favor, Lord Monteagle divulged the anonymous note to the king. The king was crafty about it, and he did not act publicly, nor did he postpone Parliament. Indeed, acting with incredible prescience and precision, perhaps on account of his father almost being blown up, or because the note included the clue, terrible blow, James decided to send men to search the storage rooms under Parliament for any gunpowder or explosions. His men found Guy Fox in a room full of firewood. They asked him who he was. He said, I'm John Johnson, and that he was watching the firewood for his master. The guards went back and reported this to the king, who told them to return to check on Mr. Johnson. They did so this time finding Fox dressed in riding gear with a cloak and spurs, as if he were about to flee the scene with great haste. He was captured, and the firewood was discovered to be actually barrels of gunpowder. Guy was arrested, but divulged very little information about the plot for the first few days, allowing his co-conspirators a chance to escape. Catsby had time to still attempt the rebellion in the Midlands, but it failed. To track down the rest of the conspirators, the king authorized the use of torture, and Fox was taken to the rack. It was there, while being stretched, that he finally gave up the information about his co-conspirators. Catsby, along with a few others, were killed in a shootout on November 8th. The conspirators who weren't killed were arrested and sentenced to an awful execution in January 1606. They were to be drawn from prison backwards by a horse, then hanged, then cut down while still alive, then have their privy parts cut off and burnt before their faces, then their bowels and inlaid parts were to be taken out and burnt, and then their heads were to be cut off. After this, their bodies were to be quartered. Guy Fox managed to avoid this fate by jumping from the gallows and dying as a result of having broken his own neck, thus not giving them the pleasure of killing him. Nevertheless, he was still quartered. In the aftermath of the plot, James managed to stay surprisingly cool once again, and like his search for the conspirators, he acted with surgical precision. He passed the Thanksgiving Act, which had church services commemorate the salvation of the government. Londoners were encouraged to celebrate the king's narrow escape by lighting bonfires around the city, and it is that celebration that is remembered in the UK every year on the 5th of November along with the fireworks which have their origins in Guy Fox's gunpowder. In fact, this celebration to give thanks for the deliverance of the king was made compulsory in the United Kingdom up until 1859. Even today, the holiday is still celebrated across England and its colonies with fireworks and the burning of effigies of Guy Fox. King James also passed the Popish Recusants Act, 
which would require any citizen to take an oath of allegiance denying the Pope's authority over the king. James was conciliatory to any Catholic who took the oath of allegiance, and not wanting to seem like he was going too hard on the Catholics since he still needed their support, to show further even-handedness, James also took a hard stance against the Puritans as well. He had the Church of England establish uniform guidelines for worship, and anyone out outside of those guidelines would be guilty of treason. This included many Puritans. This is what inspired a great wave of emigration to the New World, starting with the colonists who established Jamestown, Virginia, named after King James, and culminating in the Pilgrim Fathers and the Mayflower. By the end of James's reign, 80,000 Britons would cross the Atlantic in search of freedom to worship in accordance with their conscience, regardless of state mandates. In one corner of the New World, Lord Baltimore established a safe haven for British Catholics, the colony Maryland. As I referenced, the gunpowder plot would inspire Shakespeare, whose acting troupe was under the patronage of King James. This led to the composition of one of Shakespeare's most lauded works, Macbeth. It also inspired a young John Milton to write a poem to commemorate the event. He would later go on to write Paradise Lost. Centuries later, the event would inspire Albus Dumbledore, the famous wizard, to name his phoenix Fox, after the Gunpowder Man. The comic book writer of Watchmen, Alan Moore, would also be inspired by the mask of a Guy Fox effigy, and he would go on to compose the legendary comic series V for Vendetta. This would in turn inspire anarchist groups and the hacker group known as Anonymous, who now use Guy Fox masks to hide their identity. There's also a movie. Last of all, and most significantly, Guy's name is also the inspiration for the word Guy, as in, hey guys, want to go get lunch? This is because the effigies that would be burnt of him would often wear lousy attire that you wouldn't mind getting destroyed. And so anytime someone looked poorly dressed in England of the 18th century, you'd call them a guy. This term, however, broadened, and now it just it refers to any fellow that you see. You could say it in almost any circumstance, and it is the most long-lasting and enduring legacy of Guy Fawkes. that concludes our episode on Guy Fawkes Night. This single event ties together a lot of important threads of Western civilization. The Protestant Reformation, the publication of the King James Bible, the works of Shakespeare, the formation of British parliamentary procedures, and the colonization of the New World, not to mention the origin of the word Guy. So here's wishing you a very happy Gunpowder Treason Day. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review and share with a friend. Also consider supporting this podcast to keep us going at podcasters.spotify.com. For more information on this topic, check out the sources listed in the description. I'm Doug Archway, and that's history for you.